Jesus came and died on an old rugged cross. Father God, once again, we approach the throne in the name of Your Son. The only way that we can, and that's by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We plead that precious commodity of heaven. We ask for the anointing that breaks yokes and sets captives free. Open our eyes. Open our ears. Open our minds. May our hearts be prepared to receive what you have to say. We will give you the praise. We'll give you the glory. For it's in Jesus' name, Father, we ask it. Amen. And amen. I want to do a little recap, if I may, of Sunday morning. And then we'll move on into the Bible study for tonight. Again, teaching, preaching is what I call it. A lot of scriptures, and I don't think you'll have any up there because I just didn't get them to him. Okay, and uh, maybe he can catch up with me and run along behind. I'm not sure. But as I shared with you Sunday morning, it was the turn of the century. When there became, and I hate to use this word because it's not proper, there became a division within the church. Not a division that separated or separated the church or really separated denominations where people were enemies with one another. That's not what I'm talking about. But there came a a division where that uh, what we're going to be talking about, there was some different views, different terminologies, and uh, different uh, theology. And that is when it comes to the Holy Spirit. The holiness churches took the view that the baptism with the Holy Spirit, the baptism with the Holy Ghost, is primarily for heart cleansing, purity of heart. And they would say it is a second definite work of God wrought in the heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the will of God. Even your sanctification. May He sanctify you wholly, spirit, soul, and body, being preserved blameless for how long? Until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. For faithful is He that calls you who also will do it. I believe in heart purity. I believe in perfect love. I believe that He can sanctify us entirely, and He does. If we will lay it all on the altar, He will purify our hearts. As Peter said to, of the Gentiles at Cornelius' heart, God having purified, cleansed their hearts the same as He did us in the beginning. That's that side. And then the other side, believes and preaches and teaches that the baptism with the Holy Spirit is primarily for witnessing. It's primarily for service. We are powerless 
to do the work of God. We cannot fulfill the Great Commission until we are baptized with the Holy Spirit. Do you know what? Holiness is scriptural holiness. It's in the Word of God. I believe it. I teach it. I I tell you, I probably teach it more than a lot of holiness preachers nowadays. I rarely ever hear a sermon on uh, purification, on the entire sanctification, but I'm still preaching it. And this baptism with the Holy Spirit for power, for witnessing, and for service is just as scriptural as the other. And my argument is, why can't we have both? Why don't we emphasize the heart purity? And why don't we emphasize the baptism with the Holy Ghost so that we can witness for Jesus, so that we can turn our world upside down? Amen? I see no reason why we can't. One is not taking away from the other. And folks, I believe we are suffering as a denomination. Hello? Because we do not emphasize the baptism with the Holy Spirit for witnessing and service. My pastor was Doyle Sadler. And Doyle Sadler would preach and he loved to preach. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria until the uttermost parts of the world. I was called under his ministry. Al Joslin was called under his ministry. Terry Harris was called under his ministry. Charlie Heath was called under his ministry. Donnie Heath was called under his ministry. And I'm going to have to stop right there because I don't have enough fingers and enough toes to name all the young preachers that were born under that ministry as he preached the power of the Holy Ghost for service, for witnessing. They're pastoring in free will Baptist churches. They're pastoring in Pentecostal churches. They pastored in free Methodist churches. They pastored in uh, United Methodist churches. God was calling men and women to come and take up the anvil and set the world on fire. We ought to be seeing that in all of our churches. Hello? We ought to have young men and women answering the call to service. But you know, the Bible says faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. We will not receive it unless we hear it. Hello, preachers. Come on, all you preachers here tonight. I want to challenge you. Preach the baptism with the Holy Ghost. Preach heart purity. And preach the empowerment of that baptism for witnessing and for servicing. And I'll tell you what we'll see. Our churches start to grow. We'll see ministers start to be called. Hello? People coming out of the world and into the kingdom of God. It is the Word of God. So, if you'll forgive me tonight. If you don't, it doesn't make any difference to me. I'm going to preach the baptism of the Holy Ghost for witnessing and for service. Amen? 
because I believe it and I believe it with all of my heart. A brief recap. John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus coming by those bulrushes on that trail coming along the Jordan River, said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin, singular, of the world. The next day Jesus came to him and went down into the water to be baptized. Here's what John said of Christ. I indeed, Matthew 3.11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Hello, somebody. Amen. If you study the Word of God, you'll find that the Holy Spirit of God baptizes us into Jesus. If you're part of the body of Christ today, it's because you were baptized into that body By the Holy Spirit. You were born of the Holy Spirit. Born again, not of flesh, not of uh, uh, flesh or bones or anything like that, but born again of the Spirit of God. Amen? You came into this world a new creature, so to speak, because of the Holy Spirit and your body of Christ. And then some disciple got a hold of you. Some preacher got a hold of you and took you down into the water and baptized you in water. Hello, somebody. Now, I'll say something here that's kind of controversy, I guess, but that's all right. Do you know you don't have to be a man of the cloth excuse me, to baptize somebody? Hello? You don't have to go running all over the place trying to get a preacher to baptize your son or your daughter or your neighbor once they receive the Lord Jesus Christ and they're born again. Do you know that you can baptize them? Do you know that you are a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? You don't have to be a man of the cloth. He called us all. He sent us out to preach and to teach and to baptize, He said. We come up with this idea that just men of the cloth can do those things. But the Bible does not teach that. So the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. Disciples baptize us in water. And then Jesus baptizes us with or in the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's three baptisms there. Don't stop at the first two. Go all the way. Don't stop on the front porch of the house. Go on in the house. Amen? I don't want to live my life on the front porch. I want to go in and see and receive everything that God has for me. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And then Jesus said in Acts 1, John, he said, truly baptized with water. But he said, you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. Amen? He's given them a promise. And he said in Luke 24, he said, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry, remember tarry? 
It means sit down. Amen. Remember we talked about the lost axe head as an illustration Sunday morning. And once we lose that axe head, we might as well sit down, shut the church down, shut the Sunday school down, and stop what we're doing until we find the head. Until we find the power. Hello, somebody. There's no need of going on in our own strength. It will not do any good. As a matter of fact, it will hurt. It will just be carnal. Shut the work down. He said, don't go out. Carry. Sit down. He said, wait. And you shall be endued, he said, with power. Psalm 62 says, power belongeth unto God. Amen? Uh, in, in Acts 1 and 8, that means dynamis. Dynamite. That's where we get the word dynamite. But you shall receive dynamite. Amen? You shall receive nitroglycerin. Hello? You shall be on fire. You shall be ready to explode. Wait for the promise of the Father. Tarry ye until you be endued. That mean endued. Uh, word endued means to be clothed. He said, sit down, wait, don't go out naked. Hello? And so we've got a lot in the church today that are streaking and they're running around naked trying to do the work of God. And indeed, we do more harm than we do good. All he is looking for is a vessel in which he can feel and which he can flow through and which he can light up like a lamp and show the essence of the glory and the power which is himself shining from the inside out. Hello, so that they don't see us. They're blinded by the light and they see the Lord Jesus Christ. For when he, the whom he was speaking of, the promise comes, he said he will not speak of himself alone, but he will speak of me. He'll take of mine and he will show it unto you. We need the baptism with the Holy Spirit. We need the power. You shall receive power. We're not going to be able to fulfill the Great Commission without it. Amen. And then we learn from Sunday morning that it is a no-so experience. And you know, that's where I've been hung up for years. I've been bothered by that. It seems like there are people out here, and there was one whole denomination I didn't mention, but someone asked me and I shared it with them, where they kind of got the idea, not speaking about the baptism for witnessing and servicing, uh, but about the uh, infilling uh, for cleansing and holiness, that all of it was progressive. That once you're saved, God just works in your life, and you turn out to be holy uh, sometime or another, because if you don't, you can't go to heaven, because the Bible says without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. And so you ask somebody, have you been sanctified holy? Well, I, I, I think I have. No, you haven't. The Bible teaches a definite experience. A definite time when you are sanctified holy. And because you're not uh, mentally uh, all together, at least I'm not, that is you don't know all of the Word of God, you are frail, you are still human, sanctification and the baptism of the Holy Ghost does not take away your humanity, you still have faults. You still make mistakes. Hello, somebody. You still get sick. 
And so following that initial experience of sanctification is a progressive work whereby God walks with you all the rest of your life and you step in the light of God's Word as He shines it on your path. You endeavor to step in that truth and as you do, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, His Son, is cleansing you from all sin. That is progressive Sanctification. The Bible teaches it. That is holiness. Amen? Scriptural holiness. It is a definite experience. We said there's one baptism. I don't think it'd be proper to say I was baptized in the Holy Ghost and with the Holy Ghost in Acts 2. Peter's talking now. I'm Peter. And then as it turns out in Acts 4, uh, I would say I was rebaptized in the Holy Ghost. Amen. One time I spoke in tongues. The other time I spoke with boldness. There is one baptism, not several baptism, but many, many feelings that follow that one baptism. Hello, somebody. You're baptized with the Holy Spirit and you know it. If you don't know it, you do not have it. Are you listening to me? You've got to seek and hunger and thirst until you know that something apart from you, something away from you has came up on you and has filled you with the joy of God and the love of God and living waters begin to flow out of you. Glory be to God and nobody can take it away from you. If I were to ask you, do you know that you were baptized in the creek or baptized in the the uh, baptistry at church? Well, yes. I said, well, how do you know? How do you know? They'll say, well, man, you're crazy. I got wet. As a matter of fact, if I had to grab that handkerchief in that preacher's hand and held it real tight over my nose, I might have drowned. I know I was baptized in water. And I couldn't talk to you out of it, brother. Amen? It's the same with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You will know that you know that you know that you know. That's why you've got the confidence to go out. Hallelujah. Man, I, I gotta stay up here. I gotta go on. I, how do you defend a lion that's in a cage, big old male lion in a cage, from a pack of wild dogs running around, barking, slobber, spitting out their mouths, gnarling with their teeth and everything? How do you defend that poor lion? You open the door and let him out. Hello? He'll take care of Himself. God the Holy Ghost will give you the power to open the door and let Him out. Amen? You'll not be afraid of anything. You're not representing yourself. You're representing Him. Jesus said, the words that I speak, they're not mine. Jesus said, I came not to do my will, but the will of the Father? Hello? 
Jesus wasn't making up things. The Holy Ghost came into Jesus without measure. He was full of the Holy Spirit. And He did not begin His ministry until He was baptized in the River Jordan. And the love of the dove of God came down and filled Him. He went into the wilderness to be tested and tempted of the devil. And He came back out preaching in the power of the Holy Ghost of God. He was crucified and He was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit of holiness. Hello, somebody. And I don't want to put you down and I don't want to put anybody down, but what I'm trying to say is it's not something you can grow into. It's something that you hunger for. It's something that you thirst for. It's something that causes you to get in the Word of God, not denominational periodicals, amen, as much as I love my church, not what somebody else tells you what they believe, but you get into the Word of God and you listen to that and you read that. Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life, amen. You will know the difference. You can say, well, I've been to seminary. I know the Bible front and back. As a matter of fact, I've been preaching the same thing you've been preaching, Brother Potts. But there's a difference. You know what the difference is? The Bible says the letter killeth. But the Spirit gives life. Amen? That spirit, the, the Bible is the sword of the Spirit. He uses the Word of God. It's for Him to use, not us to use. We get cleansed by the Word of God. We're born again by the uncorruptible seed of the Word of God. We're saturated in the Word of God. And then we stand up and the Holy Spirit pulls out the knife out of the sheath, which is the Word of God, and He goes to work. And the result is conviction, a contrition, a sorrow for sin that leadeth people to repent of all sin. It is a calling. It is a draw. If you're feasting at all tonight, you're feasting on spirit. Spirit fills spirit. Uh, spirit feeds spirit. You're witnessing to the spirit. A spirit-anointed preacher can stand up every Sunday and preach the same thing every Sunday morning throughout the entire year and you will get fed because it is the anointing that you're feeding off of. It is the Holy Spirit that you're feeding off of. Amen. Somebody say hello. Hallelujah. We need. It's no good just to be orthodox. You can have the right word. You can teach it just as true as it is, but if you don't have the baptism with the Holy Spirit, it is powerless. Many times you can do more harm than good. Many, many times. If we want to fulfill that great commission, then we better be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Well, I've got to hurry up. I want to give you a few steps tonight. This is the Bible study part of it. Whereby you can receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit. 
at the end of this service, here at this altar, in your automobile, or at home, if you take these simple steps, you will, not maybe, but you will receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You say, well, preacher, how can you say that? My goodness, what a statement. I can say it because I've got confidence in the Word of God. Lord knows I don't have any confidence in myself. I am the reluctant preacher. If I'd had my way, I wouldn't have been here Sunday. I called Brother Ray was starting getting out of it. I, I did. I, I'm not eager to preach. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not one of those preachers that want to pop up every time and preach. I don't know how in the world anybody would listen to anything I've got to say. And that is the God honest truth. But I'm telling you, I have confidence in God's Word. He will do what He says He will do. What a mighty God we serve. Have you ever thought about it? You have a God. You talk about COVID, and I know we need to be careful. I want to be careful. I don't want to put that down in the least bit. But we have a God. Amen? I don't know what everybody else has, but I have a God. I have a God that looks out for me behind me. I have a God that goes ahead of me and prepares a table for me that when I get there, He's got it ready. I have a God that's behind me. I've got a God up ahead of me. And I've got a God that walks beside me every step of the way. He's got all the bases covered. One, two, and three. And He'll be at the home plate when we get there to welcome us in. What a mighty God we serve. Coming from nowhere. Because He had nowhere to come from. He stood on something when there was nothing to stand on. He reached out into somewhere when there was nowhere to reach. He got a hold of something when there was nothing. And He pulled it back to Himself and He hung it up into nothing and He said, Stay there. And so He created the heavens and the earth with His own Word. What a mighty God we serve. I'm trying to tell you, have confidence in God. Have confidence in His Word. The church will let you down. The preacher will let you down. Uh, 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 Friends will let you down. You'll be hurt more in the church than you ever were in the world. Yeah, I'm telling you the truth. Uh, The devil will make sure of that. He loves to get people all miffed and hurt and cut and bruised so they get out of the house of God. But you just keep on keeping on. Amen. Smile and let those arrows go right over your head. Amen. He's powerful than any of that. We've got a mighty God. Of all of your getting, have faith in God. Each new convert. First of all, faith in the God. Because I tell him you're going to get the rug jerked out from under you. Amen? You're going to find hard times. Mom knows what I'm talking about. We've been through a few hard times, haven't we, Mom? I told you this morning, was it this morning, that if anybody's got reason to be bitter, 
we got reason to be bitter. Amen? I've had people going out knocking on doors, getting petitions up against me to get me out of the church. <laughs> I, I, I'm serious. I had one lady come to me crying, Brother Fletcher, I don't know why I'm doing this. Had another man showed me his gun and threatened to kill me. Huh? And so I went out and bought me a gun and told him I'd meet him at the OK Corral. <laughs> he hadn't showed up yet. Huh? I'm not tonight, but I'm usually, if you see me, I'm packing. Okay? Uh, I'm packing. Uh, there are those that will come out after you. Do you know that when Jesus comes, He brings a division? You know, you're talking about the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's, you're right, brother, He is. But when He comes, people say, unity, unity, all get together, and this and that. He will divide a household. He will turn a mother against a son or a father against a daughter. Well, you say, well, why does He do that? Well, He doesn't do it. When you take a stand for God, when you believe the Word of God, there's somebody going to believe the opposite. And even in your own family, they will stand against you. But you stand for the Word of God. And God will never, ever, ever let you down. One time the mill barrel was getting a little low. And mom said to me, Shirley, my wife, she said, what we're going to do? I was making about $55 a week pastoring the church. Them were the good old days. I had to clean the church, mow the yard, preach Sunday morning, Sunday night, teach Sunday school, make the bulletin, do all of that and everything. I was working four or five jobs, I think, mowing yards and, and driving a school bus. And uh, I was a sexton. That's a, a kind of a highfalutin word for a janitor of an Episcopal church. And I was doing everything. But the mill barrel was getting low. And I said, well, just have faith in God. Have faith in God. One day I came off the hill, went down across the road, opened my mailbox, and there was an old plumber from a free Methodist church down in Louisiana. And he said, Brother Potts, I was sitting at my desk paying my bills, and God told me to send this to you. And I opened it up, and there was a check for $1,000. Now let me tell you, I could be here for the rest of the night. I could tell you about another check for $49,000. I could be here for the rest of the night telling you how God will take care of you. Have faith in God. My precious mother, uh, she told her the time she went to the store to buy food without money. She prayed and the Lord said go and she went. She went over this viaduct. It was a train that ran under. It was a bridge. The wind was blowing. And as she went over, she looked down and real still in the ground. Smiling up at her was a $20 bill. She reached down, scooped it up and said, Thank you, Jesus. And went on to the store to get what she came after. God will make your... I've never seen the righteous forsaken. They're His seed bagging bread. Have faith. In God. Praise God. I tell you that because He wants you to receive. If you take these steps, you shall receive. What's the first one? Accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not for the world. The world receives the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And after you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then along with that you receive the promise of the Father, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Peter said on the day of Pentecost, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall, not maybe, but you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior? You ask different people and you get different answers. I asked someone, says, are, are you saved? Well, I hope so. Are you born again? I hope so. The Bible teaches that He was made sin for us who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Do you know that Jesus Christ took on all of your sin? He was made sin. When did that take place? I don't know, but I've got a pretty good idea. I believe it took place in the garden. A beautiful place across from the gate, beautiful in Jerusalem. You ought to go there. You ought to look off the hill of Gethsemane into the old city of Jerusalem. And you'll see that they have the gate bricked up. It's all blocked up. You can't get through it. They think they're going to keep him out when he comes back, <laughs> Brother Daniel. Uh, but they're not going to keep him out. Uh, they, they can't do that. It was in that garden that Jesus suffered. It was in that garden that Jesus cried. It was in that garden where Jesus said, Father, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. Now, you might differ with me theologically, and that's all right. That's not going to bother me in the least bit. We'll laugh, we'll talk about it, we'll pray about it. But I believe that cup, was the drinking in of all the dregs of sin. The perfect mind of God. The perfect heart of God. Here Jesus Christ is. He doesn't know. He created the world. But He doesn't know what sin is. He's never felt it. He's never been guilty. He doesn't know. And the only way that the man who was very man of man and very God of God, divinity in a human body could know is if he took on the sins of all past, present, and future. For the first time in the world, he knew what it was like to be a rapist. For the first time in the world, he knew what it was like to be a homosexual to be a lesbian, to be a liar, to be a thief. He took on all of that. He bore it all upon Himself. He was made sin for us. The one who knew no sin. And He got so weak. And He began to perspire as it was. Great drops of blood. And amazing, amazing, the Bible says that God sent the angels. And angels came down to the Garden of Gethsemane to strengthen the Son of God. To minister to the Son of God. He might have died right there in that garden before He ever came to the cross because He was made sin for us. The One who knew no sin. He went to that cross and they suspended Him between the heavens and the earth as if He was 
fit for neither world. The disciples forsook him. They ran off. One cursed and denied even knowing him. You know what pain is? You reject me and it's no skin off my back. You reject me, I don't really know a lot of you. Some of you I do. And if you reject me, well, you don't really know me. Because if you really knew Glenn, you'd just love me to death. Amen. you just want to go everywhere I go and fellowship with me, visit with me. That's what I think. You would just love me to death. You wouldn't want me to ever shut up preaching. Amen. You wouldn't get tired of it. You'd want to hear it all the time. The Bible says he came unto his own. And his own received him not. You let that little lady right over there reject me. And I can't begin to tell you the pain that would be in my heart. His pain, since he was the perfect heart of God, he was the Godhead bodily, and he was the perfect heart of God, his pain was the perfect pain. He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. And then on the cross of Calvary, He cried out in agony, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. The apostle said, being interpreted, My God, My God, why? Have you forsaken me? Can you imagine a death like that? God the Father couldn't look upon the sin. He must have been the most sinful sight in the world. And the righteousness and the holiness of God recoiled from that sin. And yet He willingly carried it. And cried out from the cross, It! Is finished! You know what it means to truly be saved? It's to put everything you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Some people say, well, I read my Bible. That's good. I pray. That's good. Are you a Christian? Are you saved? I go to church. Well, that's great. I even go to prayer meeting on Wednesday night. Hallelujah. I partake of the Lord's Supper. Surely I must be saved. I've been baptized. Amen. Surely I must be saved. And if you are depending on any or all of those things, let me tell you tonight, you are lost. If that is where you're resting, if that is the foundation that's going on. Because no flesh is justified by the works of the law. And that is nothing but legalism. Don't get me wrong. It's good. But it's nothing more than the ripples on the side of the road. I hit a few of those one east on the way down here, didn't I? And got a little over and went burp, burp. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Uh, those, those ripples are not the road. They're put there to keep you on the road. 
They're put there to keep you in the road. Prayer, the Bible, church, the Lord's Supper, and all those things that we do, they're not the road. They're not our Savior. They are the means that God has given us to be on the road. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the road. And no one cometh unto the Father but by me. You're not a Christian tonight unless you put your total weight on the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He died the vicarious death for your sins. He was buried in the ground and He rose again the third day for your justification. Hallelujah! That you might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Hallelujah! Are you a Christian? The first step to the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to know that you're saved. That's like uh, Brother Frank was talking about. Know that you know that you know. What is your weight resting in? What is your foundation? Nothing but the precious blood of Jesus Christ, my or His Son. I was the reason, the only reason He came he died for me that I might have everlasting life. And then the second step, what do you do? On your way to receiving the promise of the Father, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, again, listen to Peter. He said, repent. Repent. You've got to renounce sin. You've got to forsake sin. He did not come and bleed to save us in our sins but of our sins. There are those out here, and I understand their theology somewhat, and they say one thing, but they really mean something else, that can't help but sin every day in word, thought, and deed. I was preaching a revival in Louisiana. Brother Arby Jolly called on a minister to stand up and pray before the service, and he got up and he said in his prayer, Father, you know, that we just cannot help but sin every day in word, in thought, and in deed. I got up and opened my Bible, not because of that, because that's where God wanted me to be, and I turned to the lady that was caught in the act of adultery, and Jesus said to her, Go and sin no more. Amen? Not in word, not in thought, not in deed, but stop sinning. Stop it. Amen. We must renounce our sins. What does it mean to repent? It means a change of heart. It means a change of mind. It means a change of will. You feel differently. You think differently. And because you feel a certain way and think a certain way, you will walk a certain way. You'll find yourself, I'm going to hell, I'm going to hell, I'm going to hell, I'm going to hell, I'm going to hell. And then you come to the cross of Jesus and you surrender yourself to the complete work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a 90 degree turn and you turn around after having repented of your sins and you say, I'm going to heaven, I'm going to heaven, I'm going to heaven. Repent. When George Washington crossed the Brandywine, his soldiers said to him, what do we do with the bridge? He says, burn it. Burn every one of them. There's no going back. Amen. 
Repent of your sins. There's no going back. You must renounce sin. And right here is where the majority of people fail in receiving the blessing of the Holy Spirit. Because there's that pat sin that's hanging on in their life. It might be something so insignificant. If you told it to someone else, they might just fall over laughing and say, well, honey, that ain't nothing. But if it's in your mind and it's keeping your conscience from going all the way with God, then whatever that insignificant thing is, it is hindering your salvation. It is hindering you from receiving everything. You can't pray like you want to pray. You can't do what you want to do because that thing just keeps coming to your mind. If you've got one of those things in your life, renounce it. Turn your back on it and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When I was in Bible college, there was an old preacher down there. He believed in once saved, always saved. And I do too. I do too. Once you're saved, you're always saved. Amen. I believe it. You live the life, you've got the life. But you know what he said? His name was Enoch. He said, God cleaned up the old hog in my life. And I don't slop him any longer. Amen? Some of you older ones know what I mean by slopping a hog. You've seen the slop going to the hog pen. And you better back up because they're going to sling it every which way. God has cleaned up the hog in my life and I don't slop him any longer. I make no provision for the flesh, Paul says. Make no provision. Renounce it. Turn your back on it. Hallelujah. That one thing, that little thing that you will not renounce will keep you from God. Other people might be doing it that are wonderful Christians. Are you listening to me? They might have that in their life and they're wonderful Christians and and they're just a glow for God and it doesn't bother them. Listen to me very carefully. But because it bothers you in your conscience, it becomes a hindrance for you. It might not be anything at all, but if it's a hindrance from you, it will keep you from receiving the blessing. Renounce it. Get rid of it. Amen? And then the third thing. Peter said again, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. The third step It's open obedience unto God. Obey God. Remember we said that Jesus stepped into the water and John the baptizer kind of stepped back and he didn't want to baptize Jesus because Jesus is the Son of God. And Jesus said to John the baptizer, suffer it to be so to fulfill all righteousness. You know, baptism doesn't mean to us today in this part of the world what it does in other parts of the world. To be baptized in Iran. To be baptized in the name of Jesus in a Muslim country means that that night when you get back home, somebody's going to show up and cut your head off. 
I'm serious. It means they will kill you. They, you put your whole life on life. You see how important it is? What is baptism? It is an open confession of the inward work of God in your heart and in your life. You're telling the world, look at me. I'm standing with the Lord Jesus Christ. I agree with the Son of God. What He says, I go for. And then you say, look at me. I'm being buried with Jesus. I'm dying with Jesus. I'm dying to the old man. I'm reckoning the old man dead indeed under sin. I'm going into the pit. I'm going into the grave with Jesus Christ. And then when you come up out of that water, you say, look at me. I've been resurrected from the dead. I've been resurrected into a glorious new life. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Therefore, I'm walking in a newness of life. Watch my walk. Glory be to God. That is the witness. And you must do that openly. When I go to jail and I minister at jail, and a lot of times around the altar, and I ask them, has He come into your heart? Has He touched you? Are you saved? And they'll say, yes. I'll say, well, raise your hand and thank God for it. That's hard to do if you're in jail. I was in the jail in Murfreesboro, and there was a young man in there and two others sitting up on their bunks. Had double beds in there. There was three of them in the cell. Slept four. That young man, I was dealing with him. He hated his father. He said, if I see him again, I'll kill him. He was just full of so much bitterness and hatred. But he gave his heart to the Lord. And the whole time I was talking to him, them other two prisoners were laughing, mimicking me, and making fun of what was going on. You know, it was hard for that young man with his back to them to raise his hands in in the sky in that jail and start praising Jesus for coming into his heart. You know what I learned a long time ago? More often than not, as soon as you do that, that's when the witness of the Spirit comes. Amen? As soon as you get open confession unto God, do not be ashamed of Him. Let the world know what happened to you. If God does something for you, testify to it. If you don't, you will lose it. As sure as I'm standing here, there must be an open confession. You must forsake sin, renounce sin, accept the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, confess it openly. And then quickly, number four, you must surrender absolutely to God. Absolute surrender. The Bible says in Acts 5.32, And we are His witnesses to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey. If you do not obey, you do not receive. Hello, somebody? You have to obey the voice of the Holy Spirit. Obey Him in water baptism. 
You say, well, Brother Potts, I wish I'd bought a pencil tonight. I wish I had a piece of paper tonight. I wish you'd given John the Scriptures so he'd put it there on the board. I don't have all of these. Let me tell you something. They didn't have those at Cornelius' house too. But the Bible says that while Peter was preaching, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Amen? They were they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit before they were ever baptized in water. And again, let me cut to the chase. If you will follow after God, if you will hunger for the Lord Jesus Christ, if you will feast on the Word of God, and if you'll just follow after Him, it works something like this. You're after Jesus. You're walking along behind Jesus. There's nothing keeping you away from Jesus. And then all of a sudden, the blessings of the Lord will overtake you. Amen? You'll fall into every experience that God has for you. But I'm giving you the points because they're in the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is given to them that obey. My pastor, Doris Sadler, used to tell a story of a little old lady that she made a living by washing clothes. And she did it the old-fashioned way, like I talked about Sunday. She had one of them old tubs. Amen. One of them old metal tubs. And she had a washboard. You know what I mean? Ribbing up and down. She had a washboard. And she had a cake of soap. When I was over in Haiti, preaching in Haiti, uh, there was a young lady over there by the name of Moline. And Moline washed our clothes for us down in the river. Now when I went over there, I bought myself a whole new pack of Fruit of the Loom underwear. And, and, and uh, I noticed something, that Moline with that cake of soap got them real, real clean. And she got them clean by rubbing them. Uh, now, she didn't have a scrub board. She'd beat them on rocks. And she'd wring them out and she'd stretch them. But what happened was, is when I put them on, they'd go to falling down. She had stretched them so much that the elastic, Yesterday had wore out of the band. Amen. She's about like some of them old ladies, you know, that used to wear them knee-high pantyhose. And they'd stick a finger in there and twist it around in a knot and tuck it under. Hello? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Uh, I had to twist a knot in my fruit of looms and turn it under just to keep... It's not clean until Moline says it's clean. <laughs> Ain't God fun? <laughs> oh, yes, he is. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And he said that that old lady, she come to the church one Sunday. She had her tin tub. She had a washboard. And she had her cake of soap. And she drug them in and put them up on the altar. And then she climbed over on the inside of it. That's what it means, Doyle Sadler would say, to be wholly surrendered unto God. I've got a modern one. Probably no better than that. But the young man's at the altar and he's wanting to surrender everything to God and he's going through his mind. I remember doing the same thing. Right over there at the, at the Forest Chapel at the campground. I said, Lord, I give you my old car. I give you my old truck. 
I give you the five dollars I got left over on Monday. You have to pay all the bills and, and tithing and everything, Lord. Uh, I give you this. I give you that. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, Son, that's, that's fine. That's wonderful. But what I want is you. And the young man was at the altar and he was uh, trying to figure out what he's going to give God. He was getting, giving it all to God. He was writing down a list of everything that he's surrendering to God. And the preacher came up to him and said, One, Son, what are you doing? He said, I'm surrendering to God. And the preacher took it and looked at it. And the preacher went and got a brand new sheet of paper and gave it back to the young boy. And he said, Assign your name right down to the bottom of that on the right. And his son wrote his name down. He said, Now lay it on the altar and let God fill in the rest. Amen? That's what it means to surrender all to God. Give Him your life. And He'll fill in everything that needs to be done. The Holy Spirit is given to them that obey. Man, I'm losing my vision, I think. There we go. In the Old Testament, Elijah in the 18th chapter of 1 Kings, when he was battling with the prophets of Baal, he, they built the fire and they separated the altar and he cut the bullock up. And once he laid the bullock on the altar, he poured it down with water, precious water, to it was all sodden down with water and the wood was wet and everything else. When the whole sacrifice is put on the altar, that's when the fire falls. Are you listening to me? I don't know where that is in your life. I know God has come many a time. I remember when God delivered me from smoking. I stopped smoking when I was saved. But I didn't lose the urge. You're saying, preacher, you mean smoking to send you to hell? I can't tell you that. I can't tell you that. I don't know that. The Bible didn't say anything about that. But I can tell you that that's something that controls you more than you control it. And God wants all of you. And I remember I was going down Highway 41 in between Smyrna and Murfreesboro. And I was praying said, Lord, deliver me from this urge. Once I eat a meal, I just want to light up a cigarette. You know, if you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. I was craving them and craving them. And I was praying, Lord, deliver me. Lord, deliver me. And then when I got alongside that roadside park, I don't even think it's now there nowadays, I just got a vision of the Lord on the cross. I could see Him on that cross. I could see Him bleeding. I could see the spittle. I could see the blood. I could see Him suffering. And my heart broke. And I began to weep as a wonder as I could even drive. I began to break up and weep and weep. And then very boldly, I said, Lord, don't deliver me. Don't deliver me. Don't deliver me. I'll go the rest of my life suffering, wanting these things. You suffered me. I'll suffer for you. And I'll not pick up another one. I want to tell you something in an instant. You might not believe me, but it's the truth. In an instant, the glory of God came in that old Dodge truck. In an instant, something like electricity Rolled through my body. Waves of the love of God over and over again. And in an instant, God delivered me. 
What did I learn? When you get to the place where you want God more than anything else, that's where God will meet you and do the work. Surrender, surrender, holy unto God. Absolute surrender unto God. The old wash tub, the letter, they all. And then number five, you must desire the baptism with the Holy Spirit. You must long for it. You must crave for it. You must yearn intensely for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Oh, may God make us thirsty. May God make us hungry. As well as you're sitting there, you love the Lord. You love Jesus with all of your heart, but you know there's something missing. You know deep inside you need something more. You know that you don't have what it takes to go all the way with God. You know that 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 you would do, you do not. And that that you would not do, you do. And you cry, O wretched man that is within me, who shall deliver me? I thank God there's no condemnation in those that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Hello, somebody. You must long and thirst. It was the Feast of Tabernacles. Jesus took all He could take. They had taken the pitchers and they swooped in and filled them up with water and they were pouring them out. And Jesus couldn't take it any longer. The Bible says in John 7, He began to cry out. He stood and He cried. If anyone thirst, let him come to Me and drink. He who believes in Me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Hallelujah. And then John the Apostle did something. It's unusual. You'll find it at least a couple of times in the Word of God. But John interpreted what Jesus was talking about so that we make no mistake about it. John wrote, but this he spoke concerning those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. You've got to hunger. You've got to thirst. And out of your belly will flow of living water. Have you experienced the river? Well, I don't know. Well, you haven't. You haven't. Well, Brother Potts, I've been sanctified holy. Yeah, but you need to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Amen? That's what the Bible teaches one baptism, many, many feelings. Be sanctified holy, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Our Vice President has quoted this Scripture many a time. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven 
and will forgive their sin and heal their land. It was February the 3rd, 1970. Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury College. Now a university. Dr. Dennis Kinlaw, a beloved man now in heaven, that was kind of a mentor of mine, been to many of his seminars, have his CDs and his tapes and many of his books, Preaching in the Spirit is one of the later ones. It was a time that the Vietnam War was going on. I was in Vietnam at this time, serving in the 173rd Airborne Division a paratrooper that never jumped out of a single plane. I just stood in the door and fainted out each and every time. It was during that Vietnam War era, while in February the 3rd, 1970, many young people, and I took this straight from the book, across American down buildings, rioting in the streets. Sound familiar? And the students at Asbury College were strangely drawn to their knees by an intense desire to pray. It was as if the campus had been suddenly invaded by another power. Classes were forgotten. Academic work came to a standstill. God had taken over the campus. A thousand students remained for days in the Hughes Auditorium. If you've never been there, you need to go there. Some of the greatest evangelists and missionaries of all times have been in that old building. If you go to the altar, you'll see the tear stains all up and down the altar. It'll send chills over you just to walk into Hughes Auditorium. You know what I'm talking about, Brother Al and Sister Vaughn. Not, uh, they weren't there at Hughes to demand uh, of the faculty that they be protected, that things would change or rules would slack up, but they were there to confess their sins and to sing praises of their Savior. Something happened. The Spirit of God began to fall. Hundreds were swept into the kingdom of God. It rolled across the campus. It rolled into the community. Read about it. Look it up on the internet. NBC, CBS, ABC, local affiliates all sent their newspaper and cameras there witnessing, looking at young students. What's going on? What's going on? One young man left on fire for God, went up north to a big city, and rented a big old ball stadium. He didn't even have the money. All it was was himself. He rented it and started preaching. And people started coming. And hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds were saved as the fire of God fell in Asbury in Wilmore, Kentucky and scattered all over the world. They called it one divine moment. And it all started with a hunger of fire wanting more of God. I hope you get hungry. I got on my face and wept before God. 
I rolled on the floor. I became somewhat fanatical. I did. I'll be honest with you. I tried to speak in tongues. I wanted the power of God in the baptism so bad. I cried. I prayed. I begged. And I was doing all the wrong things. All you have to do is simply ask. It's the God-ordained way. People say, well, you don't need to pray for the Holy Spirit. He was given to the church on the day of Pentecost. And you don't need to pray for something that's already been given. For God so loved the world. He gave His only begotten Son. Jesus was given at Calvary for the sins of the world, past, present, and future. Do we pray for that forgiveness? Do we pray to receive the Lord Jesus Christ? And if you pray to receive Him as Savior, you pray to receive Him as the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Hello, somebody. You'll cry out to God in prayer. Fill me, Lord. Fill me, Lord. I claim the blessing, Lord. Fill me, Lord. How much more? If you ask God, uh, you know, if we being evil know how to give a good gift uh, to our children, how much more would the Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? You must pray. In Acts 2, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. They were in the upper room in one accord, praying. In Acts 4, they were in a place and they were praying. And the house was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the Word of God with boldness. Yes, you must pray. Yes, you must ask. And you must ask believing. Your last step is faith. I said, what a mighty God we serve. Created the heavens and the earth out of nothing. There is nothing impossible with God. We want to change God's order around. And I'm closing. We want the Word of God. And then we want to feel something. And then we want to believe it. But God's order is, I give you the Word, you believe it, and then you feel it. Are you listening to me? We want the Word and then we want to. Any goosebumps back there? You know, we want to feel it. That's not faith in God. That's faith in the flesh. If God said it and He did, believe it. When do you receive? When you pray, believe that you receive and you shall receive. You believe it when you pray. Don't you trust God? Do you think God is lying to you? He said, if you will ask, I will give it. Believe it. And then receive it. It's just that simple, folks. You asked in faith, not a double-minded man, but you asked in faith and you believe. And you will receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit.
two little free Methodist women, Annie Cook and Miss Snow in Chicago, Illinois. Two little free Methodists. They used to go to the services at the YMCA. They don't have them there anymore, do they? Young Men Christian Association. But back then, D.L. Moody, a famous evangelist and preacher, was preaching there. He preached there a lot. And Annie Cook and Miss Stowe, these two little free Methodist ladies, would go there. And when they could catch him, they said, Mr. Moody, we're praying for you. And one day he called them and he said, Sisters, don't pray for me. Pray for the lost. Pray for the lost. They said, no, Brother Moody, we're praying for you that you'd receive the power. He said, what? What are you talking about? We're praying for you that you'd receive the power. And he said, well, explain it to me. And he said, we're praying for you that you'd receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit and power. He said, well, ladies, let me join you in prayer. Amen. Uh, let me, and he did. That's exactly what he told them. And he began to pray with them. And then not too many days later, he found himself, he was on his way to London, and he found himself in New York City, walking the streets of New York City. And all of a sudden, the Lord in whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple. The glory of God fell. The power of God fell upon D.L. Moody. And the he said that he hurried to a friend's house. And this is his own words. He rarely ever spoke of it. He said, the Holy Spirit was filling my soul with such joy that at last I had to cry out to God, please Hold your hand. Please stay your hand or I will die in this spot of an abundance of joy. Well, if you got to go out, what better way than to go out? He went to London. He preached in the power of the Holy Ghost and hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds were born again and swept into the kingdom of God. Peter said on the day of Pentecost, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Stand with me please. Whoa! Ask for the Holy Spirit, every head bowed. <laughs> oh, God, thank you for the word. Lord, I, I've been watching you, Paul. Even while I was speaking, Lord, I've been watching hungry hearts opening up to you. This altar's open up here. I know the hour's getting late, but I don't apologize for it. This altar's open. <laughs> If you're here and you're not hungry, if you're here and you're not thirsty, would you come and say, Oh God, make me hungry. Oh God, make me thirsty. Help me to thirst after the Spirit of God. I want to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and of fire.
Won't you come? Won't you come? Those that are not coming around this altar right now, would you make up your mind and make up your heart that when you get to the automobile, when you get to the bedroom, God's dealing with your heart. Don't put it off. He might not be dealing with you when you get home. He might not meet you when you get down there to the Lord 40 by the fence row and start to pray. Today is the day. Now is the time. As you sense the tug of God in your heart, just ask Him. Just ask Him.